Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Now it's Friday, and on Fridays we do something here on the show, done it forever, called the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio. And today I thought, you know what, let's do something a little bit different. Because we have a few people that work with me who are on the air with me, making sure that I am actually on the air. That's, that's the biggest key, because I am hopeless by myself. And I thought, let's, you hear their voices occasionally, but let's give them a chance to spread their wings a little bit. So Will Erskine, who you hear, he, Will's the guy on the other side of the glass, and Lisa Pileski, who is the Lisa on the other side of the glass. And when he gets here, because traffic is holding him up, but, you know, we'll give him a break. It's Christmas. Ben Strawn, when he gets here, who's Ben on the other side of the glass. They are the brightest conversation, the brightest panel on Hamilton Radio today. Guys, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. When we come back after the break, I'm not hosting anymore. The first couple segments, Lisa's going to be taking over. She is going to be the host for the first few segments. And then Ben is going to be taking over for a while. And then Will, who's actually working tonight because he's behind the glass. He's actually on the job right now. Will will be hosting for the, a while. And then I'll come back in near the end and do some stuff. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Welcome back to the Scott Radley Show. This is Lisa Pileski, guest host. I'm normally behind the glass doing all the button pushing and answering the phones. I have Scott Radley in studio, normal host. Hello. I have Will Erskine in studio as well. Well, on the other side of the glass because he's actually doing the normal job that we all do. Hi there. And we have Ben Strawn. Hello. Who has made it here through traffic. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. This feels very strange to be taking control of the show because... Because normally I just sit back and, you know, respond, call and answer sort of thing. It's like a coup. Yeah. Yeah. A friendly coup. I kind of like it, though, because now ladies are in charge. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But so we were supposed to come prepared with topics. I came prepared because I have always been kind of a nerd and try hard. (laughs) And I would do exceptionally well in school. So I brought props for my segments. Uh, I brought school yearbooks um, because this is the time of year where you kind of think back on what has happened during the year, what has happened in previous years. You know, you think back on your childhood. Christmas is a time to think back and and remember and reflect. And um, so I wanted to look way back to I graduated high school in 2005. I'm actually the oldest of the producers here, uh, still younger than a lot of people out there. But I kind of wanted to ask what you guys think of looking back on your your formative years. And is it do you ever go back through those old things when you're kind of? Um, yeah, and I, uh, especially this year, uh, I've been uh, going back through old things, throwing things out as well. But uh, yeah, getting <laughs> really good memories. Yeah. <laughs> You're gone. Um, yeah, getting nostalgic. It's definitely that that that's what's been happening. Instead of the uh, festive spirit, being nostalgic. Um, and these these yearbooks. I mean, we're a slightly different age group, but you got stuff in here like Vladimir Putin. Uh. Yeah, this was. Uh, I graduated from middle school in two thousand one, and there's a thing about Vladimir Putin being sworn in as the new leader of Russia. <laughs> Some things don't change. This is all like <laughs> ominous. This is like Back to the Future type stuff, where we're seeing little hints that we should have. Uh, yeah, should have known. But yeah, um, this is a good time of year. I don't know. I was. I found an old. Uh, thing I posted in like 2012, just today, which was about when everyone was all worked up about the end of the world and how I. <laughs> oh yeah, because that was the prophecy that the world was going to end in 2012. <laughs> which was yeah, partly just because the Mayans just weren't going to bother making a calendar that goes any further. They figured by mm-hmm. then we'll make a new one. At least that was my interpretation. Um, but yeah, those, was la- like- those lazy Mayans and their refusal <laughs> yeah. to go beyond 2012 <laughs> with their calendar making. I tell you. Um. But yeah, I was thinking, even then, I was like, this is a good time of year when we should look back at our stuff and, and, and think about what we've done. Uh, I think this has been a weird year for the world. But that's, that's for sure. Very strange. Very strange. But I think a lot of people, personally, we've had some cool uh, stuff. We've had good stuff in our lives, right, Lisa, Ben? Well, yeah. it, it is the time that you do look back. I, I was thinking we watched our family every year watches Christmas Vacation. Last night we were doing yeah. the screen test and Christmas Vacation came up. And what's the one... 
sort of moving moment in that ridic- otherwise ridiculous funny movie. It's when Chevy Chase is stuck in the attic yes. watching the old movies from 1958 Christmas yes. and getting all weepy in a funny way. <laughs> but yeah, if people, this is the time when people are thinking about people who aren't around anymore or thinking about what happened over the year or getting ready for their New Year's resolutions for all the stuff they screwed up that they don't want to do again next year, but inevitably will. <laughs> I don't know. Ben, what about your family? What do you do? You, I mean, or for you, is this a, a reflective time or no? Not really. It's one of those things where it's just like, well, it's another holiday coming up. Let's start ramping up shopping. Let's start getting ready. Let's get prepared. And then before you know it, well, I, I realized this morning I woke up and I was like, when is Christmas? <laughs> I, I was like, I was so confused. And I was like, Have you oh. figured it out? <laughs> it's Tuesday, by the way. Yeah, I was like, oh. Oh, right. <laughs> Have happening. you done your shopping? Oh, uh, yeah, I've done some okay. shopping. Uh, uh, I also was like, well, my dad is very hard to shop for, so I'll make him something. Mm-hmm. So I made him a music playlist because he teaches spin classes at the Y. Oh, that's nice. So I was like, let's make a Christmas playlist for dad. Does he wear Lululemon? No. <laughs> oh, Do they no. make Lululemon? For, for our sake. I hope not. No, he does not. Thank I hope not. Goodness. But it was one of those things where, I guess, yeah, in a way I reflect. Should your dad be listening to the show if you just told him what he's getting? I already told him. Okay. Because oh, okay. if it's any consolation, when you make someone a Christmas playlist that they're expected to use before Christmas, it's uh, kind of hard to be like, hey, Merry Christmas. This was usable two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You know, making the playlist, that is kind of nostalgic, though, I'm assuming. So you, you have been reflecting a little bit, Ben. Or I, did you just grab stuff? Uh... A bit of a grab, but for the most part, pretty inadvertently, just grabbing stuff. <laughs> I love the yearbooks, though, that you brought in, Lisa, They because there are, with for me, the one thing about yearbooks, there are two groups of people. There are the people who looked their best in high school. They peaked in high school, and there are the people who were the opposite and look so much better now than they did in high school. I am definitely, well, I like to think I'm definitely in the latter group. <laughs> my my wife and kids tell me I looked a lot like Napoleon Dynamite in my high school grad picture. I would like to see that. We should bring well, that in. Yeah, thankfully it's radio. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, we still have social media. But I love when people pull out the yearbooks and you look and and they are the ones who fall into that same latter category because you can then feel good for them mm-hmm. that things have gotten better, that this was not the high point of their life, and it's been a steady downhill since then. Fingers crossed that that's the case for me. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Do you know the the YouTube series Hot Ones? Tell, no. uh, I don't know that one. Okay. Tell me about it. So Hot Ones, actually, it's kind of cool because there's a Hamilton hot sauce company that was featured on Hot Ones. Um, Is this where people eat the, they talk and have an interview while they're yeah. eating really hot wings? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. So I've watched, you know, I've watched Chrissy Teigen on there. If you don't know, she's the, uh, she's the wife of John Legend. I've watched. Uh, and the Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Yes. Yes. She's, she's awesome. And she's John hilarious. Legend. I just know about the swimsuit models. <laughs> and she's a great cook. She has her own cookbooks. But I was watching Weird Al on last night he was the final interview of i guess this year for hot ones and i couldn't get over just how nice and wholesome and he seems like a genuinely good person and it got me thinking about you know celebrity encounters when you meet celebrities do they live up to your expectations and you know are they genuinely as nice as they might seem in interviews and I wanted to ask you guys if you've had you know interactions that maybe were disappointing or were actually like they did actually live up to expectations these people were as nice as you thought they would be uh Steve Smith punched me no um (laughs) (laughs) we've had Steve Smith on the Scott Radley show last year we all crammed in for that yeah yeah right for the burger eating yes yes for November burger um I've had of the celebrities I've met, I have had only um, good experiences. Uh, I've met some uh, some strange ones. I've met um, Scott Ackerman and Paul F. Tompkins. Not yep. necessarily. We were there at the same time. Yes, we were. Yeah, they, they're comedians for you, the people who don't know. And they and you you're, you've met them a few times before, so that was yes. kind of my my uh, in. They're uh, very nice people. Friends with Weird Al Yankovic. Um, 
Ooh, Lauren Lapkus also was there. She was probably my best, uh, my favorite encounter. Again, she's a name you don't recognize necessarily, but she's like... You might know up. her if you saw her in yeah. kind of... She's in a bunch of comedy. She's in like Big Bang Theory. She's in the new Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, Sherlock Holmes uh, parody movie and stuff like that. Um, I didn't have anything with me when I met them, except for a Sherlock Holmes book, oddly enough. And uh, she signed my copy of it by scratching out Arthur Conan Doyle and putting her name in, which uh, instantly endeared her as one of my favorite celebrities ever. Um, yeah, I've met nice, nice people. I met the voice of Miss Frizzle when I was like four, and she was... Magic school bus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I get the general sense that, I don't know, there, there do seem to be more wholesome celebrities out there they they don't show up in the news as much you only hear the stories when there's like a a, a terrible person or someone who like you know drove alec, through a restaurant or something yeah, alec what's his name punching the paparazzi baldwin? Alec yeah. Baldwin, yeah. Who, yeah but ben, there's a lot of nice you ever guys. have any um i've had pretty limited interactions with celebrities uh i know that they met bill kelly i have met Be- <laughs> <laughs> i have met bill kelly i've met you scott <laughs> no we're, we're quickly studio. the definition of celebrity is quickly <laughs> diminishing um but if you've ever watched the cartoon 16 or total drama series yep. uh chris mcclain from total drama jude from 16 uh christian potenza i'm actually friends with him um I get to work with him somewhere else to where I do voiceover work, but being able to do stuff with him, it's, it was interesting because I remember seeing the shows and I was like, man, I imagine this guy's probably quite cool. And then I happened to have like this, these run-ins throughout the years. And all of a sudden I showed up to like a workshop. I was like, you, I know you, (laughs) I know you. And so of course things kind of sprung out from there and I got into voice work with them. When you are on the board, when you're working the phones and calling guests, if there's a guest who is someone who has some name recognition or whatever, do you ever talk to them before they come on the air? I actually, so one time you had Hal and Joanne from Body Break on. Or no, that was Ted Michaels filling in for you. Sorry. (laughs) But it was, no, it was very exciting and very nerve wracking for me because I remember body break. That that was just a very starstruck, strange moment for me. But also Steve Smith, when uh, he was in studio, Red Green, I grew up watching Red Green and I was just like, I have to meet him. I have to meet him. You came in. You weren't even on that. No, I wasn't. I had to meet him. I saw, I think I heard from Ben that he was uh, in studio and I had to come in. It was very exciting. My weirdest celebrity thing goes way, way, way back. I was a kid. I was probably six, and I went to a hockey game, and it's a long, long story. I ended up in with a friend in the dressing room. This is during the WHA days, getting autographs, and I had the entire team's autograph, except for one guy, who I guess comes out of the shower... And this is the 70s, and I guess guys were freer with their bodies then. <laughs> and I'm a six- or seven-year-old young boy. Oh, oh, dear. And he comes out of the shower dripping wet, wearing not a stitch of clothing, and says, oh, you want my autograph? Because he saw I had the piece of paper. <laughs> And puts a leg up on the bench, oh, no. puts the piece of paper on his thigh, and signs it while water is dripping off various parts that I did not want to be anywhere. That piece of paper, which may have had some value, oh. went right into the garbage. I don't have that anymore, but it was... Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, that's, you know, they're not all that... Uh, they're, usually, they're better than that. Let's just put it that way. Well, I should have framed that one. <laughs> Scott wins. That, I think it's easy to say. I was going to sum this up with uh, my, uh, I met Henry Winkler and he kissed my arm and he hey. was very nice. Uh, but that takes the cake. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. No, I am not Scott Radley. My name is Ben Strawn. I'm usually behind the glass, actually. We do have Scott Radley in studio, though. Still here. And we're doing this interesting thing where instead of Scott hosting, he's having his operators produce through each segment. So, to join us, we've got Scott Radley's producer for tonight, Will Erskine. Hi there. (laughs) And we have Lisa Pileski. Hello. Now, I've been trying to figure out why it is that people always enjoy certain stories throughout the Christmas time. Why is it that certain things resonate with people? What do you mean? Well... My mom, uh, I was always a trouble child for my mom. I liked to uh, cause havoc wherever I go. And oftentimes that made Christmas really stressful. And so she told me how one story 
happened to uh, really help her pull through the holidays. And it was from the radio. And it was an interesting rendition of Twas the Night Before Christmas. But this wasn't the regular one. This was the Mafia edition. The Mafia edition of, of the Twas night the Night Before Christmas. <laughs> oh, do tell. Well, I had to go looking for this naturally. And so I happened to find the actual poem, if you want to call it that. <laughs> um, if you would like, yes. I can read oh, it. I, I was going to say shoot, but that's probably the wrong choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> so here it is. Twas the night before Christmas. The whole house was mellow. Not a creature was stirring, because I had a gun under the pillow. When up on the roof, I heard something pound. I sprung to the window to scream, Yo! Keep it down! When what to my wandering eyes should appear, but the dawn of all elves and eight friggin' reindeer. <laughs> With slick back black hair and a silk red suit, Don Niccolo was here, and he brought the loot. <laughs> With a slap to their manes and a yank on their manes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> With a slap to their snouts and a yank on their manes, he cursed and he shouted, and he called them by name. Yo, Tony! Yo, Frankie! Yo, Ginny! Yo, Vinny! Yo, Vito! Hey, Joey! Hey, Polly! Hey, Pepe! Hey, Guido! <laughs> As I drew out my gun and I hid by the bed, he flew through the window and slapped me side the head. What the hell are you doing pulling a gun on the dawn? Now all you're getting is coal, you friggin' moron. <laughs> then point a fat finger right under my nose. He twisted his pinky ring, and up the chimney he rose. <laughs> he sprang to his sleigh, obscenity screaming. Away they all flew, before he trued them a beating. Then I heard him yell out what I did least expect. Merry friggin' Christmas to all, and you's better show some respect. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that is well done. The Tony Soprano Christmas. (laughs) So, yeah, I was wondering if any of you have ever had an alternative story to... Like that? Like that, maybe? Well, I guess the best example of... It's kind of a parody, in a way. We were talking about Weird Al... Well, I was talking about Weird Al earlier. Um, Parodies, kind of, you see that with The Simpsons, where they take... uh, Mm. A classic Christmas tale and throw a little twist on it. I uh, completely forgot about those. Yeah, well, the Simpsons huh. Christmas specials. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I uh, went to Simpsons trivia earlier this month, so I watched a bunch of Simpsons Christmas specials. So those are in my head. Yeah, that that kind of is comparable, I guess. Um, my favorite story ever, and I have been trying to figure out why this is my favorite for such a long time, but it falls in that category because it's been done by everyone except The Simpsons because I feel like they think it's too easy. It's a Christmas carol. Uh, the old Charles the Muppets. It, Muppets have done it about twice, I think, now. Uh, Disney, so Disney's many done times. It. Mickey Mouse, yeah. The only people who haven't was, yeah, Simpsons have not done Mr. Burns, because I think they think that'd be too easy to do. It's too on the nose. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that is my absolute favorite. I love it. I love, I watch every adaptation, even the crummy ones around this time of year, but I still am not sure exactly what it is about that story that gets to me. It just, it has everything you want. It has a whole ghost story element. It's got time travel. You could interpret it all as just some very terrible fever dream he's having. And I really like the... At the end of it, it's got this sort of nice... uh, You know, it's got a nice message of you can change things. You can do better. You can always grow. I I don't know. Maybe just because when I was like four years old, I was more like a grumpy 45-year-old. I sort of aged backwards like Benjamin Button. So maybe it changed. But I'd be interested to know what it was about that story that spoke to your mom, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised that nobody that I can think of has ever done a version of the Christmas Carol as you say, in the reverse. We, we live in a time when people try to spin things and it's all got to be very ironic and very sarcastic. I'm surprised we haven't had the story where Ebenezer Scrooge is actually a good guy and is visited by the evil elves and becomes a horrible person. I, I just figured that someone would do that just to... Rowan Atkinson did it. Oh, is that the right? The Black Adder Christmas special. See? Yep. Oh, someone man. had to have done it. That See? sounds like it would be amazing. I'm just picturing Rowan worse Atkinson and worse. getting angrier. It's like Breaking Bad for the Christmas Carol <laughs> version. I just don't know how that would resolve itself. Christmas. Like, how do you end that on a note where it's like, you can leave this story behind? Did you see the end of Breaking Bad? Don't give away the ending for anybody <laughs> who's going to watch. But yeah, that's how it would end with Walter White I guess as Ebenezer Scrooge kind of depressing but I you know this is the time of year where depressing things 
I used, to, I used to work in another newspaper, and there was a very, very exceedingly elderly gentleman who used to work for the paper. He was at the paper for decades. I mean, he was at the paper when they were still making it out of papyrus. <laughs> and he finally died when he was about 96. But every year he wrote, "Twas the night before Christmas, and brought in all the updated, the, the events of that year and everything else. And I think it pretty much took him the entire year by the end to put that together. But it was always, and it was a full page. Like, it went on forever. But yes, it does, uh, these things are, these things are out there, and I've never heard that one before, though. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed, and I hope it was able to help you pull through Especially like the accent. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you very much. Your performance was excellent. Well, we're going to keep the conversation going. I wanted to ask, what are the worst, worst Christmas specials? Because... There's been a Star Wars Christmas special. Oh, yeah. The There's other been has. Simpsons Christmas specials, Muppets Christmas specials. There have been Christmas specials of all kinds and calibers, and some of them have never made the cut whatsoever. So, I've got to ask, Scott, what is the worst Christmas special that you can think of? Last night... On the show, Will was in. We were doing the special one-hour all-Christmas screen test, which, by the way, to James and to Ivano, who were our co-winners, who both obliterated the previous record, dominated the hour, couldn't get them off the air. No matter how hard the questions were, they got them. But one of the questions that was on there, one of the clips that we played... Was and Will, you got to help me out here because I don't even remember. I'd never, and we got totally hung up on this because we couldn't figure out the proper <laughs> answer. It was what from Family Guy? Yeah, it was a show within a show from Family Guy's first season, and it was called Kiss Save Santa. And he got it right. Somehow Ivano knew this one, which was like the most <laughs> obscure. See, when I think of Christmas specials, there are some bad ones. But for me, it's not so much the TV specials that I think of, it's the Christmas music, the celebrity Christmas. Songs. It's William Shatner putting out a Christmas album that is interesting. It is some of the just horrendous attempts at reworking. Because, I mean, who hasn't done, what celebrity hasn't done White Christmas or Rudolph Rudolph or whatever else? So they all have to put their own spin on it now. And more often than not, we've reached the point of... Oversaturation. Oversaturation and just unbelievable oversinging. Yeah, it's the it's the Christina Aguilera-ization of music. If oh. you can hit one note, better to hit 12. <laughs> Just show off with how many notes, even if you don't hit them necessarily on key. Doesn't matter. Or yeah. If you're a celebrity, there's a song there for you and there's an album to sell. Oh. Yeah. What about you, Lisa? What's what's your as I think about this one because it's a good question. What's your worst Christmas special? I mean, you got to go with the classic of the Star Wars Christmas special with Chewbacca's family, and there's like <laughs> yeah, Chewbacca's family. There's a solid it? like twelve minutes of you know how Chewbacca speaks in roars and <laughs> yeah. That's a solid 12 minutes of the family speaking to each other with <laughs> subtitles. Oh, they had subtitles. <laughs> yeah. And I think they, like, video call um, Han at some point. Han and Leia maybe are there. I I remember it kind of Were like... Han a and Leia f- living together at this point? I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to remember when... This, this- is a horrible show. <laughs> this, this is what led to the strife in their relationship. Maybe. Clearly, yeah. No, and it was... I'm. I feel like it was a fever dream because there was like a dancing segment as well. <laughs> Will is nodding and confirming my suspicions, but it was bad. Is this on YouTube? Because I've got to watch this. Uh, yeah, you can find it despite George Lucas's best efforts. <laughs> yeah. Was it made, like was it a TV special? I think so. I believe I think it was made so. for TV, yeah. And you can tell. <laughs> but it's weird that they had all that. Like Harrison Ford is in it. Mark Hamill's in it. Contractually obligated. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really strange, and it, it I, I guarantee, if you haven't seen it, I don't know if you should see it, but if, if you want to experience something very odd this Christmas, look it up. Um, I have to, well, first, I want to throw out there, I love cheesy 
Christmas specials and anything along those lines. So the John Legend, Chrissy Teigen one, I know you saw that one too, Lisa. That was great, even though, because that was celebrities. It just, was intentionally cheesy. Yeah, they were going over the top and doing the the biggest, like, you know, Vincent Price Christmas type thing. That, that I would do. like. Yeah. That would be awesome. Um, I'm going to throw a classic under the bus here. Uh, I don't know how classic it is, but it's one of the ones that gets played every year. 1970 stop motion Santa Claus is coming to town. It usually got rerun on, uh, yeah, anytime they have the Rudolph special, they have a bunch of them. Santa Claus coming to town. I remember I finally watched that when I was a little bit older and it had all the singing. It had Fred Astaire narrating it and he appears as an animated guy dancing. I don't know what the point of Fred Astaire is if he's not the one who's actually dancing, but that kind of summed up the whole story. It went nowhere. It did nothing. It's bland and it's one that they just use every year. I don't know why. I think it kind of calls... I don't even calls... know if I've seen that one. Have you seen that one? I can't say I have, but it sounds like they just used it as filler. Just like, we, we need to fill time. We just need to fill time. Throw it in again. Yeah. Well, they already had the puppets made. Yeah. So yeah. let's just use them again because we put all the money into making the puppets. The best part of it is that their puppet for young Santa looks like Conan O'Brien. That's the most entertaining aspect of the whole thing. Hey, you can't get Conan? Make it look like Conan. So did Santa Claus ever come to town, though? Um, I don't think so. I think it was one of those rare depressing ones we were talking about. <laughs> so it's just very anticlimactic. Yeah, if Fred Astaire just goes home at the end. <laughs> Everything goes nowhere except for home. I can see it's, how that's the it's worst. It's a Christmas story for you, followed by Fred Astaire just saying, and yeah, I'm done. See ya. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Time for a break. Uh, that's good enough. But see, I'm just glad nobody said any of the. I thought I was. I was hope. I was worried somebody was going to be a contrarian and someone was going to go with Rudolph or Charlie Brown. No, nah, those are like classics. That. You can't touch them. Yeah. Anyone yeah. who would come in here and say Rudolph is a horrible mess of one is uh, w- w- would get a slap down, a Christmas beat down. I don't know. What's you? You did you say what yours was? I did not, and maybe it's a little contrarian. I hate a Christmas story. Oh! How dare you! I'm sorry, just Ralphie's everything. I'm just no. Will Will is going to take your eye out right now. Probably. Thank and God. Beat you glass. with a leg shaped ca- a lamp. Although that glass may be sharp if he goes through it, <laughs> <laughs> or I go through it. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Funny thing, I've only ever seen that movie. I think twice. Everyone says that's one of those Christmas vacation is our family go to. My family, I don't think, has ever seen a Christmas story. You have to remedy or rectify that. I don't know what the right word is. Show them. Yeah, triple dog dare them to watch that movie. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I am Will Erskine, who you usually hear behind the glass, uh, filling in for, for Scott, who went out on an eggnog run. Uh, no, he's here with us, Scott. How are you doing? I'm, I'm fine. The eggnog run was great. You got to share here. that. Still here, yeah. Uh, also have in the studio with me Lisa Paleski. Hello. Weekend news anchor and uh, technical op here, as well as Ben Strawn, technical op and uh, occasional voice actor. Occasional. I have a feeling that Scott was doing more of like a eggnog wobble, maybe yep. less than a run. <laughs> Do you have criticism now? <laughs> ben is now a body double for voice actors. <laughs> I want to talk to something, uh, talk about something that has been in the news. It has been treated as just kind of a light chuckle. But I've noticed this week, everyone starts digging into it seriously. And don't worry, you're all, you're all going to have an opinion on this. That's why it's a good story. Now, if I say the Carlton, what do you think of? It's not unusual to be there. I was thinking about a hotel. Or a subway in Toronto. We're of the generation where we know Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. The Carlton is the dance where the uh, Carlton character kind of dances to Tom Jones. It's not unusual. Yes, from the uh, very first uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Christmas special. Alfonso Riviera played Carlton on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for, what, it was like seven years or something with, uh, with Will Smith. And, um... This very week, fa- very familiar, very n- recognizable. Yeah, event. you're gonna and and most people will recognize him if not as Alfonso Riviera, they'll just call him Carlton right out the gate. But uh, so this week we find out that he, along with a few other people, um, he is suing Epic Games, the maker of the video game Fortnite, which is one that gets played online. If you have kids, you probably know that they're obsessed with Fortnite. And some of the people out there, if you have kids, you've probably snuck in a session of playing that game yourself as well. (laughs) And realized it's probably not that 
easy. I've tried playing it a couple times, and all I do is run around. I don't I, actually do anything. I just run around and run around, and nothing ever happens. So I gave it up. I can do that outside. I played it during the summer, and I got to the end. I was so close to winning a couple times. So close. Ben, have you played? I have, and I'm not going to lie. Not a fan. I, I like video games a lot. Fortnite didn't it didn't scratch my itch. So here's what we're finding out. Ben hates a Christmas story. Ben hates Fortnite. You have no joy in your life, Ben. Absolutely not. My <laughs> life is uh, a gray mess. And uh, do people still play Tetris? Oh, I love Tetris. <laughs> I that Tetris. one I love. <laughs> okay. We've gotten off track here. Okay. My turn to be on the outside. I hate, I hate Tetris. But anyways, here we go. So here's the thing, though. Alfonso Riviera, he's suing the game. Why would Carlton be suing the makers of this video game? Because in the game. Certain characters can reenact the Carlton dance. It's just something you can do to amuse yourself or your friends on the side. But you have to pay money to download that feature. Oh. Yeah. I didn't get that. I didn't know that. Okay. That's where this gets complicated because Alfonso Riviera, you know, he's suing. You can copyright a dance if it's choreographed. You can copyright that. You can't copyright a dance move. Carlton, so first question, does the Carlton, basically swinging your arms back and forth and swiveling your legs a bit awkwardly, does that count as a full dance? I don't think it does, but I, 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 so I know this news story because I follow video game news and stuff like that, and he's not the only one suing Fortnite for taking a dance move. Um, the Backpack Kid, if you've ever seen The Floss, which is a weird move. Rigid Arms? Yeah, it's a, it's a movement. Is it, this is radio. It's kind of hard, so you'll have to look it up, but if you know The Floss or if you've heard of The Floss move, it's, it's like you're flossing with your butt or something, or your hips. <laughs> it's very strange. Strange, uh, but he's there. That, that is the dental hygienist you don't want. No. <laughs> yeah, no. So that or maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> I guess Backpack Kid is this kid who was wearing a backpack and kind of popularized that dance move. Uh, and there's someone else who's suing them as well. But I don't know if you can necessarily patent that. I don't. It's just mo- a movement, right? Well, the thing that I find with this is. Though, no, you probably can't copyright a move per se. The thing is, it's another company monetizing. They're having people pay them money when you created something that you're not getting anything from. They literally just stole it from these people. But did they create it? Like, how do you create a movement? Like, how do you guarantee that no one else has necessarily done that movement before? See, I think, yeah, I think Carlton took this movement from seeing honestly a bunch of really bad white people dancing at weddings and stuff and stole it because the whole idea of Carlton the character is he's an African-American guy but he is very upper crust very elite very the joke is he's sort of a white guy in a black body and Fresh Prince moves in Will Smith moves in and so he points out that you know this is he's not representing the community or whatever and I'm looking at this going I've seen people maybe not that exact dance but pretty darn close at weddings where they think they're really grooving it. And you're watching them going, dude, shut her down. This is this is not <laughs> the, a good thing. Yeah, and the interesting... Well, the thing is, too, that Fortnite is not alone in kind of having these... They're called emotes uh, that, you know, you, you buy these things in-game and you, you just kind of dance or celebrate when you've gotten a kill, quote-unquote. It's a very strange video game world. <laughs> um, but Destiny is a game that I play, and you can buy these dance movements, too. Um, so I just wonder why... I guess Fortnite is the big thing. It's, you know, it's making a lot of money, but what about other games that are using these movements? People buy dance moves? Yes. People also buy, like, clothing options. Like, oh, I like your jacket, but can I buy it in green? That's pretty and nice. And you would pay for this, and like, real money. Re- yes. Real money for a digital skin is what it's called. Uh, to your question, Will, and this is the th- thing that comes to my mind right away. We have baseball video games mm-hmm. that are now based very closely on Major League Baseball players, the way they stand at home plate, their batting stance, their home run celebration, whatever. When the video game shows them hit a home run and celebrate the way they do, can that player say, no, that's a copyrighted move. You can't do that. I, I, I don't, I'm with Lisa. I don't see that you can say that a move a movement is copyrightable in the case of baseball players like athletes uh i'm pretty sure there's like a contract 
actual thing of like you agree that we can use your likeness, your movements. Well, the players' you union get. does the for the not they don't go to every person. The players' union signs off uh, on that. Okay, but that means that each individual guy, especially if you have something very unique. You know, I mean, I, I've not played the latest or in the last couple of years, the, you know, MLB games or whatever, but I'm willing to bet you one of those has Jose Bautista flipping his bat in the game. Oh, definitely. There's got to be one. And could Jose Bautista say, anybody now who flips his bat the way I did has to pay me money because they're stealing my move? But they're not charging people for it. That's the thing. Yeah, that is a key difference uh, with this scenario. And back to what Lisa was mentioning, there are, yeah, there's a few different people who are suing Fortnite. uh, And Carlton, for the record, he's also suing... Take Two Interactive because the Carlton shows up in one of their sports uh, NBA games, although I'm not sure if that's one that you have to pay for. Um, I think it gets into a strange territory, though, because where do you draw the line then on if Carlton created this? Uh, even if he was basing it on other people he had seen, as one friend pointed out, it's acting as well. He's created his character. He's put himself in that mindset. How is this character going to dance? And he referenced that he based it slightly on one of Eddie Murphy's routines and a few other sources that he put together. So should Eddie Murphy be suing Fortnite? Uh, You know, he ended up with this idea. However, it is still something. Lisa, with... um, uh, what's the one you said you played? Destiny. Destiny. So with Destiny, in that game, the, the different dances and uh, clothing options and things that show up in that, those are original creations, are they not? Or are there any that seem inspired, that seem to be direct copies rather than inspired? Well, they don't necessarily name it like the Carlton, but I'm pretty sure that dance is in the game. I may be wrong, and I apologize if I am, but I, like... There are sig- signature dance moves that you can definitely see in that game that are, you know, attributed to a certain famous person. And why are they not being sued? I just I don't understand. Like, if you're going to sue one game, you got to sue them all, right? Can Michael Jackson not sue everybody that he's dead? But I mean, could his estate not sue everybody who's ever done the moonwalk? Or Thriller, like the Thriller dance. I guarantee the Thriller dance is in Destiny. I know that for sure because I've seen it. I would ask one other thing about this, and it's a great question, because does Carlton, what's his name again? Alfonso Riviera. Thank you. Does he, he's suing, but does he even own that move? Because he was an employee of the production company when that show was being made, so all the stuff that he did on that show, I would think, actually belongs to the production company that produced Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I don't even think probably that is his intellectual property. It would have to be the producers of the show. It's the same way at the, at the newspaper, at the Spectator. I work for the Spectator. Same with CHML here. I work for CHML. But because they're paying me and I'm working for them, anything I do is not my property. It belongs to them. I can't sell what I've created as my own. It would be the Spectator or CHML that owns that and could sell it if they want to do that. So I, I don't think he's even legally anywhere close to having a leg to stand on. Which is a great dance segue. <laughs> That's an interesting way to bring it up. I had never considered that aspect of it of, yeah, you do sign over. Anything done on company time is the company's property. That's why companies can fire you if you look up wrong stuff on your computer at work because you are using company property. It's the, it's the same principle when you're at the company, when you're working. What you do, for better or for worse, is theirs. This is why we need a lawyer to op the show, and <laughs> they need to come in and weigh in on this topic because there's really good questions that arise from this. Like you, that I didn't even consider that either. But yeah, I just looked it up, and NBC was the original error of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. But you don't hear from them in this discussion. Do they have a dog in this fight? Is that the right term? I bet they like it. I bet they love the fact that the Carlton is on Fortnite because it's another reference back to their show for syndication and things like that. Yeah, and if they're on streaming, I don't know if they're on uh, Netflix or whatever. Yeah, but, you know, that it, people see the dance. Maybe they're going to go look up episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and more revenue, more of that uh, moolah. So one uh, one final question then, because, yeah, I think you're right, Lisa. We don't have a lawyer here in the studio to, to give us the perspective on what should happen legally 
from an ethical standpoint, though, and you kind of touched on this uh, uh, at the start, from an ethical standpoint, do we want them, be it Carlton, be it maybe the parent company NBC or the production studio that made it or whoever it is, do we want them to be able to, you know, say legally you can't have this baseball player do this specific thing or this football player celebrate the way that he is known to celebrate in the game without paying, without licensing. Do we want it to come to the point where digital art, which is a form, it's become an extension of our lives in so many ways. These are online versions of ourselves. Do we want to come to the point where that becomes totally locked down and monetized or is it unfair to not allow it to be monetized and unfair to not allow someone to say, hey, that represents me in the public consciousness and I want you to cut it out or pay me a lot of money to get to do that? Where where do you stand ethically on all this? Lisa, I'll, I'll go to you first. Well, I understand, um, you know, it's very important to un- respect the content creator and, you know, reference them because you share uh, art online and uh, a lot of things just don't get attributed to the original artist. It just gets, you know, something gets shared on Facebook. It's like, I saw this cool picture. I don't know who drew it, but it's great. It's, it's you know, and then the original creator, their name gets lost into the e- lost in the ether but i i don't see this as being on the same level it's a dance move and you know i i just don't see it being on the same level is it the same as as plagiarism of a song no if not Fortnite really. had grabbed a chunk of take it's your pick of whatever unusual. song it's not unusual sure if they had taken that song which is protected by copyright and put it on the show that would be a different i think that would be a different situation if they're using the song or even like if they're calling it the carlton but i'm pretty sure they don't call it that in the video game no no so like and you also have to think about how much effort kind of went into that movement and whatnot is it even worth going after this there are. I go back to the point. There, if we are going to get into a legal issue where particular movements can now be copyrighted, that means that theoretically, although I doubt anyone would ever enforce it, but theoretically, every time someone at a wedding, as a lark now, does the Carlton, someone could say, oh, I, I videotaped that, put it up on, on YouTube, and then... The parent company or Carlton's lawyers could go, oh, you owe us. Like, it, there has to be some kind of, I don't know. To me, it's more than just that. We've had on the show before a copyright lawyer, a, an entertainment copyright lawyer, asking questions about what constitutes plagiarism. Because we played several months ago, there was a group, I can't remember the name of it, that has a song that came out way before Stairway to Heaven that sounds very, very much like Stairway to Heaven. And we played it for an entertainment, and they were like, mm, I don't think that's a copyright infringement. And I thought that sounds exactly the same, but there are certain chord progressions or other things that you're allowed to do. You, it, any similarity doesn't necessarily mean it's a copy of that. Well, there's only so many, in the case of music, there's only so many chord progressions and like tunes that you can actually make out of the notes that exist. So, Personally, the only issue I have is if you monetize it, like in the case of Fortnite, it's a free-to-play game. So the only way they can make money is through selling skins and these emotes. So if, honestly, if they just don't have people pay money for it and they say, it's free to use, we just made it into an animation, then I think it's fair play. Keep using it. Thank you very much. Um, we did not resolve anything, but I did not expect to. I just wanted some more brilliant people's opinions on this. So thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Ben. And thanks, Scott Radley. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, Will Erskine, Ben Strong, Lisa Pulaski, they're still in studio. We haven't kicked them out. They've done too good a job for that. But I thought I would drive the bus home for the last segment here in the last show before Christmas. And you guys are all younger than me, so you're all closer to the time when Christmas morning was the time you woke up at four and tried to get mom and dad awake so you could go down and open the presents because you could not wait to find out what it was on, what was under the tree. More like 3 a.m. and I would spend hours in my room. We, we had to wait until 6 a.m. Uh, so I would just spend hours reading books. Also, so, Scott, 
please don't try and convince us that you're not doing that to your kids going, it's Christmas morning. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. There was a time, there was a time when, oh, you know, especially if you've ever bought, if, if you're a parent, you've ever, if you know there's a gift that they are just going to eat, you're as excited as they are. But well, no, you're almost as excited when you are six, seven, eight years old, there is, I, I'm, it's good thing kids have good hearts most often because if you had if you as an adult if there was anything that made you as excited as Christmas morning we might all have heart attacks that's the thing though we've all had something that fell into the category over the years of the best present we ever got now I know Christmas is a giving time that's great we should be wanting to give stuff well I'm going to go to you first you're on the far side of the room behind the glass you're furthest away what is the best Christmas present you ever got? Does one come to mind? Uh, yes, one does come to mind. And it might seem a, 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 a little strange, but uh, Santa Claus brought me a Game Boy Color once for video game playing. Uh, that was, I, I guess I was nine years old. That one stands out as, as like my favorite present because, because uh, my mom had been very anti-video game when I was growing up. She'd been like, no, you don't you don't need those. You're not getting video games. I don't want you stuck on video games. And then all of a sudden, Christmas came around, and I got uh, Pokemon Yellow on a special commemorative Game Boy, which was in... Commemorative Game Boy. Commemorative. Wow. It had Pikachu and Jigglypuff, all the Pokemon on it. That was the first um, video game anything, uh, really, that I owned, or at least a real one. I had a little thing that made noise and played Tetris, but that was from the dollar store. Um, um, yeah, and I and I got to Pokemon on that, and I mean, I have never been a huge video game fan, but um, but that was the one. That was the one. My mom, you know, changed her tune about video games. Now, was that something you had asked for and begged and begged and begged, or was that no. just something your mom knew? It it just was something that came in. I guess uh, Santa got uh, got mom's permission, and I ended up uh, I played that game a lot. And I gotta say, the thing is. Um, quiet, you. Uh, I don't know who that is. Um, I got, uh, I, I played the games, and there were beneficial qualities to it. Uh, it helped me with a lot of uh, spatial reasoning skills, which I uh, wow. was not doing great at. Wow. Yeah. I am, so I'm just going to interrupt for one sec, because we have someone on the air who is trying to make a case that video games have long-lasting intellectual benefits. They do. they do. There are people listening right now who are just amazed that you could try to make that argument. And I will stand by it. <laughs> it didn't just it didn't just help with spatial reasoning. It also uh, it helped with a lot of creativity. Inspired me to create a lot of artwork based on the Pokemon and the games wow. that I was playing. And yeah, and I didn't. That's the thing. I never became a huge video game fan, but like. I didn't need too many games other than that one. I got others, but I was I was pretty set. And you so making, that's my favorite present. You making that case for that helping your intellectual development is like back in the day when I tried to convince my parents that me watching the Dukes of Hazard would be educational because <laughs> it was about the Dukes, right? They had to be about something, you know, and teach about moonshine. <laughs> well, no, I was no, I was trying to I tried to convince my parents before because we had heard about this show that was starting. And I told her, like, obviously, it's the Dukes. It's about royalty. It's about, you know, all these things in England. And then my dad wandered in about two minutes into the show and saw Daisy Dukes hitchhiking on the side of the road in short shorts. Well, I don't think this is about Princess Elizabeth. <laughs> that was the end of that as an educational tool. How about you, Ben? Was there a gift that, a Christmas present that stands out? Weird as it may sound, when I was young, I was a huge Star Wars fan. So for me, the one gift that stood out more than anything was when I opened up a Darth Vader Star Wars lightsaber. And I was like, just mind blown. I was like, this is the one. The one lightsaber. The one from the movie? <laughs> yeah. I, I like, it was weird. I just had that moment of like, this, this one is mine. Like, Darth Vader has his. That's cool and all. But this one is mine. And it was like this feeling of, I've got an attachment to the movie. Now, because like I had books, I literally have an encyclopedia of Star Wars information, characters, places, settings, like everything. And I basically knew that thing cover to cover. So to now have like a physical thing, it was weird because I, I just remember you know it was coming. No. Had you asked for it? I, I don't think so. It was one of those things where I don't even think at the moment I was like, oh, I can just have a lightsaber. I was just like... Well, you got to be at least 19 to own a lightsaber in Ontario, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got my license with me, just yeah. in case. Uh, 
Does yeah. It, did it, how long did it work for till it broke? Oh, uh, I hit my brother six times and then it stopped working. <laughs> like that first day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I was able to get the lightsaber back together and it was able to work-ish. Yeah. My brother's worked a bit longer than mine, partially because I'm a better lightsaber fighter than he is, and I got him way more than he got me. <laughs> that is, of course, the downside of all the great gifts. I, I think most people's treasure gifts, the thing that is at the top of their list that they remember, Will, doesn't sound like yours did, but so many others, like, broke almost instantly, whether due to overuse or improper use. Oh, no, mine was used properly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah clobbering your... See, lightsabers are not supposed to break. no. They are made of just light. How my, do you break light? Well, that's the thing. Is my brother was supposed to break, not the lightsaber. So thing, things... <laughs> I was going to win, and I was determined. It's a good thing it wasn't a wind saber, because <laughs> you would not want to break wind at Christmas. <laughs> nice. Thank you very much. Be here all week. No, actually, well, this is the end of the week. <laughs> Lisa, how about you? What was your favorite best Christmas present? See, I'm be- I've been sitting here thinking, trying to come up with just one thing that really meant a lot, and I guess maybe this reflects me as a... I have- was a spoiled child, I guess, because I there's not one thing that sticks out. There's just a lot of things that I really enjoyed. When I was younger, I loved Playmobil. I don't know if people, you know, parents listening, I don't know if they still buy Playmobil for their kids, but it was a, it's like Lego, but you don't put anything together. Um, I just really... It's exactly the same, only completely different. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to explain. I wish I could, but look up Playmobil, and it just... It's... Those things were really exciting to me to get when I was younger, and uh, I... Like I said, I would wake up at three in the morning and I couldn't fall back asleep because I was just thinking about, oh, I'm going to get the toys to play with in the morning, and I guess, you know, so I would have to read books and stuff, but... Because you don't know what else to do at that time of night when you're a kid. You didn't have phones. Uh, but, yeah, I just I don't think back on one thing. And it, it kind of makes me think about how lucky I am. And I feel really bad and guilty about that. And I don't know if that's a good reaction to have. But Guilty it's for I, your good memories? Yeah. I don't know. Because you think around this time of year, we... We have charities like CHML has the Christmas Tree of Hope, and we've got all these toys in the lobby that are hopefully going to go to kids who appreciate it. I just feel so guilty about my good fortune. And See, I don't think you should feel guilty about the fact that you had those things. I think we should be generous. I think we should give to the Christmas Tree of Hope and other things and, and help out so other people. I mean, rather than feel crappy about the fact that you had a good childhood... It's better off to enjoy that and use that as a momentum to help someone else have a good childhood. I guess so, yeah. And I just maybe that's my own personal neuroses no, but- and whatever. But I, I, I don't know. It's it's a really weird world when you look at it and you think back. Like I had all these good memories as a kid, and you know, Christmas obviously isn't the same when you're an adult. But maybe you can do your part to try and make that. I, I don't know. I'm getting all sentimental here. But. You, you've turned this into the Christmas special. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> no, you brought us our moral, Lisa. Yes. Yeah, there has to be the moral to the story at the, near the end where now someone we, cries and then we uh, open a Clementine and everyone feels better. We can sing the Sad Peanuts uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special song. Yes, and we can all try to open a Clementine in one piece, <laughs> which is a successful opening of the Christmas Clementine when the rind comes off in one piece, not broken up. I remember being able to do that, and the first time I did it, I was like, I did it. I did it. I did it. It finally happened. It is possible. Use your lightsaber? No, not this time. (laughs) See, I don't know if any of you are going to be old enough to remember Evil Knievel. Yep. Yes. Remember Evil Knievel? Who, back when I was a kid, was the absolute height of awesomeness. Even though, as I go back and I look back today... And you watch clips, it appears that Evil Knievel never actually landed any of his jumps on the wheels of his motorcycle. He always landed on his head or his butt. Did he? He lived, though. Barely. Now, you guys, again, you probably don't remember it because you're pretty young, but near the end of his life, Evil Knievel was on TV with an infomercial with this pain control device that was this clicker thing. And I'm thinking, wait a second, first of all, Evil Knievel, this is a sad way to go that you're on like a poor man's version of Dr. Ho's pain relief thing. But Evil Knievel never, it appears, actually landed anything. He was just the crashing machine, but he had the cool red, white, and blue outfit with the leather thing and the cape behind him. And there was a thing 
back in the day, the Evil Knievel, I think it was called the SST, and you had a little doll of Evil Knievel on a motorcycle, and you put it on this holder and then pumped this thing really fast, and it built up air pressure, and then Evil Knievel in the commercials would, you know, because the TV commercials are always the best, he would take off at full speed and go off over a jump and land, and it was, oh, this is so... So excited to get the Evil Knievel SST. And as soon as you would use it, you'd put them on there and you'd pump the thing up and press the button to let him go. And every single time, it fell over. The stupid thing was designed so poorly that he couldn't go a foot without falling, which I, I suppose was for accuracy purposes. <laughs> but... Anyway. Yeah, but that's that's kind of the nature of Christmas too. Is the disappointment when you you know you finally get, the, get yeah you get the thing that you were hoping for and it's oh it doesn't live up to expectations and that's that's the moral of Christmas too, isn't it? <laughs> well, those those TV commercials always make every toy look like the most ex- when you're a kid the most exciting thing and then you get it and again you're kind of bored in a few minutes. You realize the advertisers have been lying to you. Well, yeah. Same with Christmas or breakfast cereal. It's the first harsh lesson you learn as a kid is that advertisers don't care about you. They just want your money, your parents' money. Yeah, that's true. Well, your money now. There's probably kids now who have more. But no, it's it's those commercials we used to get back in the day. People listening will remember because, again, many, many people listening will be a little older than you guys. When you would get the Eaton's or the Simpsons wish book come to the front door and for weeks, for months, you would be because we didn't have the Internet then. I'm not that the, old. I remember the Eaton's catalog. But you'd be scouring this. This was your this was your window to possibility and going through these things and trying to pick out the things in the Simpsons or Eaton's catalog that you had to have. And there are people listening right now who are even saying, it's like that Monty Python skit. Luxury! Luxury! <laughs> I got a bike! I got one orange in my sock. Because we've heard those stories too, right? But people would get one orange because it was the annual Christmas sock orange. And yeah, I uh, we, sorry, Lisa, jump we still get uh, oranges and apples in our stockings. I feel like that's a classic. I get coal more than anything. <laughs> well, that's just, you know. My son actually did get coal last year. As a joke, my wife found coal candies and thought she would make a point by filling his sock with coal. <laughs> <laughs> Although if it had been real coal, it would have been way more effective because the candies were really delicious. Yeah, so. <laughs> kind of misses the point. He didn't really learn anything from Not that. really. Although he didn't really deserve coal. He was, he's a good guy. The other thing was we still have a family joke because I played goalie in hockey when I was growing up and I got a pair of goalie pads one year for Christmas. And it's the family joke because that year my sister was so salty that I had got goalie pads, which I guess were at the time a pretty ritzy Christmas gift. And I don't know, I can't, I have no idea what she got, probably some Barbie home or something that I promptly destroyed. (laughs) But yes, it, it remains years and years, decades later, the family joke every Christmas. It's, oh, Scott, did you get some goalie pads this year? And amazingly... My sister still doesn't really see all the humor in this. <laughs> As a sister who has had brothers who kind of do that kind of thing, I can understand her point of view. Will, are, was your family a presence under the tree leading up to Christmas family, or were they only the Christmas presents appeared on Christmas morning kind of family? Uh, we were a presence under the tree leading up to Christmas. So as you would wrap them, you would put them under the tree. They go there, put any card you have shoved underneath the tree. Just put everything under the tree. Ben? With the cat. Usually it's been on Christmas Day. That's when the... You come down the stairs or whatever and everything's there. Although this year it's been weird. There's like two under the tree. I'm like, what's the deal? Why are these here? And it's just two and no more are going. They're not being removed been weird and he's shaped like a lightsaber <laughs> i don't know so far wouldn't surprise me if mom finds a way to hey we had a, a guest on a few weeks ago on the show for this this uh, auction down in la for movie merchandise and there was a the actual the real first edition luke skywalker lightsaber from star wars one or whatever star wars one actually is now in the number because they've gone backwards and forwards but the first one four four thank you it was up for auction for, I think it was 250000 they were expecting as the starting bid. So maybe if you've been really good this year, your mom went down to L.A. without you knowing and bought Luke Skywalker's lightsaber, which really does work and can cut people in half, I'm told, with real laser. Because that's the kind of thing you should definitely sell to kids. I have my license. I already said I have my lightsaber license. 
Lisa, was your family the before or during Christmas? The family gifts would all be under the trees when uh, the tree when they were wrapped. Uh, so you know, Christmas Eve, they were probably down there. But the Santa gifts always appeared the next morning. And were you allowed to open anything the night before? No, we did. You we try? Didn't. No, I I always liked the uh, the anticipation and knowing that you know you wait until Christmas, and that's what makes it so rewarding. See, you you showed great maturity as a child to have the ability to delay the gratification. Because we we learned earlier in the show, I'm a goody two shoes. <laughs> this is just who I am. We tried for years, Ben, to convince my parents to do a present the night before. And I regret that still. If people do that, I regret it still because I always opened the thing that I knew or I hoped was going to be the big present. And then that would have been way better on Christmas morning. Got to be honest. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. What did you do? Did your family do one before? Uh, no. However, I always knew that what was under the tree wasn't it. There was always something else around the house. That was always the big one. There's always something elsewhere. A uh, couple times, but it really wasn't a big tradition. It was just kind of later on, and it was usually like something out of a stocking, you know, like candy. <laughs> I was just always so glad my parents are both morning people, because it would have stunk as a kid if you had mom and dad who wanted to sleep in till 11. Oh, yeah. No, we always woke up at 6 a.m. Uh, we don't do that anymore, definitely. <laughs> but 6 a.m. was when uh, we would be up and unwrapping. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.